Welcome, welcome, welcome once again to the Psychove, also known as the Science of the Covenant podcast. And I want to say shalom and welcome. All praises to our most high Yahuwah and his son Yahusha, our king and our prince in this world and also in the world that we seek to make it to the eternal kingdom, the one to come. I'm Boyce Washington and on the other side of me is the pastor Richard Washington. And before we get started, we want you to know the Feast of Trumpets is coming up. It's, it's almost about a month away. Uh, today is the 20th of August, and we will be celebrating the Feast of Trumpets on Wednesday, September the 28th. We don't have a time yet, but we will be getting a time for you coming soon for a look for that. So remember, Wednesday, September the 28th, we'll, we, we will be celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. If you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live or even after the podcast has not live and you're listening and you have a question, feel free to email us at science of the covenant at gmail.com. Again, that's science of the covenant at gmail.com. And if you know, we have been studying the science of the seed. So, Pastor, we are, as I believe, on the ninth part of the science of the seed. Mm-hmm. We're on the ninth part of uh, what we was trying to sh- show in previous uh, discourses was that we had three time frames. We have the pre-creation before anything was pre-created, uh, that Elohim and his son existed. And then the next time frame that we have is the present, which we take from the Garden of Eden all the way up until the second coming of Yeshua when he uh, annihilates this world. And so all of that is considered present creation. So that's where we are now. We're still in that time frame of the present creation. And so what we want to look at today is, uh, as we deal with the Brit Kaddishah, or the New Testament, we want to see how when Yeshua actually made his entrance into this world. Now, remember, there were a number of times that Yeshua appeared in the Old Testament, like with Abraham and stuff like that. But this time we want to look and see when he had actually come through the womb of Mary to be the son of Elohim. And we want to try to establish uh, what we want to look at is who is Yeshua or who was the son? Who, who was he? Was he the son of man or was he the son of Yah? And what we want to do is to look at Yeshua's genealogy. Now, what we're going to discover is that he has two genealogies, okay? And we look at the genealogy, well, actually it's three, but we look at the genealogy of Matthew and then as the genealogy of Luke. And then there's the genealogy of John. And so when we look at these three out, three genealogies, they would give us some idea of who or whom of, of, of whom son he is. So that's what we want to look at today. And this is the ninth part. So before we go into that, uh, let us have a word of prayer. Our eternal Father, as we look to you at this time, we thank and praise you that we are able to come another Shabbat to discuss your word. Be with my host, be with those who listen, be with me as I speak. 
And most of all, we ask that your spirit may lead us in the study that we can come to the reasonable conclusion of who your son was. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, we want to turn to the book of Matthew. And in this particular book, we want to look at the first chapter of Matthew, uh, dealing with the genealogy of the Messiah. Okay. So what Matthew does with Yeshua's genealogy, to start, he starts with uh, Matthew uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, and the book of generation, the book of the generation of Yeshua, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so what we see, he starts with Abraham. Okay, he's dealing with the Jew, uh, Jewish lineage because uh, Abraham was a Hebrew. He started with the Hebrew lineage and he moves on down. All right, and so we want to kind of trace what he's saying here. Now, even though, uh, even though Joseph, uh, is the husband of Mary, uh, even though Joseph is the husband of Mary. However, what we notice about Matthew's genealogy is that from Abraham to Joseph, it states that from each person, from Abraham to Joseph, it states, and each of each one begat the next. What does it mean to beget? Okay, now if you notice in this. Uh, Genealogy, it says in verse 2 and following verse, it says, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas, and his brethren, and Judas begat Phares. And it goes on to talk about beget, okay? So we want to look at well, what does it mean to beget or to begat? This word begat means to beget or to bring or to bring forth, okay? That's what it means to bring forth. Both the Hebrew and Greek words for beget not only carry the same meaning, even though they were spelled differently, uh, respectively. In the Hebrew, you have yaled. Yaled is spelled Y-A-L-A-D, yaled. And in the Greek, you have geneo, geneo, which means uh, which is spelled G-E-N-N-A-O, genial. That's, that's simply the word that we get, uh, that we form our word genealogy from the Greek word. But yaled and genial uh, means to bring forth. It means to bring forth. All right. Now, what, what we want to look at here is that when we, Look at this word all the way down. It talks about bringing forth. One son brings forth after another son, and it goes all the way down the list. But we're going to look at something that's quite unique. However, when it speaks about Yosef uh, or Joseph, the husband of Mary, it doesn't say he begat Yeshua. It only mentions that he was Mary's husband. So let's look at that. That's very important. Okay, now, when we look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16, now, what does it say? It says here, 
And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Yeshua, who is called the Messiah. Now notice that out of all of the kings and the out of all of the people in the genealogy, it said they begat, they begat, they begat. But when we get to Jacob, who was uh, who begat Joseph, it never said that Joseph begat anybody. So why is it that everybody begat? Then when it gets to Joseph, who some people say was the father of Yeshua, they say that uh, he being the father, so therefore his seed must have been what Elohim was using to become his son. Okay, now if that's true, the Bible never says, and Jacob begat, uh, he says, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. So so what we see here is that when it gets to Joseph, it never says he begat anybody. It just says that he was the husband of, of Joseph, which if she was have being pregnant without a husband, it would cause some problems in society. But the fact is, it doesn't reiterate the, the fact that, that the scripture says in verse 16 that Joseph begat, it says that Jacob begat Joseph. It doesn't go on to say, and Joseph begat Yeshua. It doesn't say that. So why doesn't it say that then? Out of all of the names you have, it always says begat. Then when it gets to Joseph, Joseph didn't get anybody. The only thing that is reemphasizing is the fact that he was Mary's husband. So when we look at Matthew's account, uh, Matthew's carefully avoids stating that Joseph begat Yeshua. Why does he carefully avoid that? Because he knew that Joseph did not, that Yeshua did not come from Joseph. Joseph was related to Yeshua, says Matthew's, not as his father, but as the husband of Mary. So the genetic link begat employed to, to this point is dropped. Matthew's thereby emphasizing the fact of the virgin birth. That's what he's emphasizing, the virgin birth. Okay. All right. Now, uh, now when we look at that, it raises it raises some questions. Okay. Now, what we want to do with that, we want to now turn because the Bible says in uh, Matthew's one sixteen. It says here, and Jacob begat Joseph. In other words, Joseph's father was Jacob. That's what his, the scriptures are saying. It was Jacob. It was, it, it was Jacob, and Jacob means James as well. Okay, so if his father was Jacob, and Yeshua uh, is never said to be the son of Joseph, then let's see what Luke has to say. All right, we're going to turn to Luke uh, chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And in chapter 3 of Luke, we want to look at verse 23. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me see. Uh, Luke chapter chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 23, we want to look at verse 23. Okay, now here's the interesting thing is that in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, here it says, and Yeshua himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of 
he left. Okay. Now, if you read all the way down, he starts, he starts from the genealogy of, of Joseph, and he goes all the way down to verse 38, and he takes it all the way back to Enoch, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which is the son of Elohim. So now, what you see in Matthew, he starts from Abraham on down to Joseph. But what we see in Luke, he starts with Yeshua and works back all the way to Adam, who was the son of Elohim. Okay, but when we look at chapter 3 and verse 23 of Luke, here we are told in Luke's genealogy that Yeshua himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as it was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Helam. Now, Luke carefully avoids stating that Yeshua was the son of Joseph. Now, he, like Matthew, is taking the same stance. He's not saying he was the son of, son of Joseph. Now, let's read it again to see what he's actually saying. He says in verse 23, chapter 3 of Luke, And Yeshua himself being about 30 years of age, being as supposed. Now, notice Luke is not saying he was the son of uh, of Joseph, he said, as it was supposed, and some people say, well, if you take the parenthesis out, he would be saying he was the son of Joseph. No, what he's saying is supposed to be the son of Joseph. Okay, now, and then it points out that Joseph was the son of Eli. Okay, Eli. And I think some uh, scriptures said Heli is also the same word for Eli, okay? All right, so what do we have? Luke carefully avoids stating factually that Yeshua was the son of Joseph. So the, par so the parenthetical uh, uh, expression, as supposed, not only implies the absence of direct blood relation, but suggests as well that legally, and, popu and popularly, Yeshua was considered the son of Joseph. That's what he was considered to be, okay? Now, it's not actually saying he was. Okay, now, we have a problem here. Now, what is the problem? Well, when we go to Matthew, it says that Joseph was the son of who? The son of Jacob. Then when we come to Luke, Luke is saying that Yeshua was the son of Heli. Okay, so one would have to one would have to think now. If if you saying that, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. If we say that actually Yeshua was the son of Joseph, if we actually say that, well, what line did he come through? Because Joseph is saying that he has two fathers. Joseph saying. Uh, uh, in, in Matthews, he's saying the father of Joseph was Jacob. And now in Luke, he is saying that the father of Joseph was Heli. So whose father was Joseph? Now, we can't figure out who the father of Joseph was because they say that in order to define uh, who the son is, he had to go through the male lineage. So what father is it? There's confusion there. Okay, that's confusion. So the point being is, is that when you look at both the accounts in Luke and Matthew, there's no indication 
that they are saying factually that he was the son of uh, of Joseph. Now, isn't it ironical that when you read in verse 23, that when you read verse 24, it said, which was the son of Matthai, which was the son of Levi. And if you read all below 23, all the way to 38, they never say anything like uh, being as was supposed to son. Now, why is it when it comes to Yeshua, they say supposed to be a son, and out of all of the rest of the names, I think it's about at least 64 or 60 names here, they never say suppose. Okay. And then when you look at Matthews, he also had a question when it came to Yeshua, and it never says that Joseph begat anybody, even though the entire list of the other people in, 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 in Matthew's list, it never says that uh, uh, it, it always say they begat, but then when it comes to Yeshua, it never said Joseph begat. So that that makes it not really uh, provable that Yeshua was the son of Joseph. Even the, the writers of the Bible is in confusion on it. And so they say suppose and then introduces Joseph as the husband, but never says Joseph begat Yeshua. And neither does uh, Luke say Joseph begat Yeshua. So now let us turn to Matthew uh, chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And in the 16th chapter of uh, Matthew, uh, we want to look at a few verses. We want to start with verse number 13. Okay, verse number 13. Now notice what it says here in Matthew 16, uh, Matthew 16, and we're starting with verse 17, uh, 13. It said, when Yeshua came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, and they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Okay, so he's asking them, Who do people say that I am? They talking about he's John the Baptist, he's Elias, or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. So Yeshua turned to his own disciples. He said, If they saying all of this about me, who do you say? Uh, uh, but whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, in verse 16, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living Elohim. Now, isn't that something? Here these disciples just as close to Yeshua than anybody. And Peter says, thou art the Messiah, the son of Elohim. Now, it seemed like Peter would have said, you know, you're the son of Jacob or the son of Heli or the son of Joseph. He would have said, you're the son of Joseph. But never, he, he didn't say that. He didn't say he was the son of Joseph. He said he was the son of of the living Elohim. And then notice what Yeshua says in order to verify what Peter was saying. And Yeshua answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, if Peter said that he was the son of Elohim, 
And Yeshua says to him that flesh and blood did not reveal it to him. In other words, it didn't come through a human thing. He said, but my father, which is in heaven. Now, if Yeshua is not telling the truth, he's telling the falsehood. He said, Peter, the thing that you've picked up is coming from my father, which is in heaven. Now, if his father in heaven is in endorsing this, then what we are saying is that he never had a link with Joseph, the human on, on earth, which would have been his stepfather or his human father. He never had a he he never confessed that he came from that particular uh, uh, seed of Joseph, because he's saying the Father uh, has revealed this unto you, Joseph, uh, and if the Father has revealed it to you from heaven, then it has to be true. So if it's true that I'm the son of the Father in heaven, then Joseph has no play in this particular scenario. Okay, let us turn to the book of Mark. Let us turn to Mark. And in the book of Mark, we want to go to chapter chapter 8 in the book of Mark. Chapter 8. And we want to start with verse 27. We want to read from verse 27 to about 29. Okay. Okay, here again, it's validated. It says here in Mark, Eight chapters with verse 27 it says, And Yeshua went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. By the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others, one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said, unto him, thou art the Messiah. Okay. Thou art the Messiah. Okay. All right. Now, he he claims that he was he was the Messiah. Now, even though uh, a lot of what Luke has and what Mark has is identical, the only thing that Mark leaves out, that he was the son of Elohim, but they understood that if you said you're the son or you are the, thou art the Messiah, they know that the Messiah can only come from Elohim, the, the anointed one. All right. So, so what we have thus far is Matthew, uh, Luke, and Mark validates that he was the son of Elohim. Okay. Now, uh, let's let's consider uh, let's consider what John has to say. Okay, let us let us go to uh, the Gospel of John, and the first text that we want to use is the Gospel of John, chapter three and verse sixteen. Okay, now the Bible says this in Gospel of John. We've seen two Gospels already. We've seen Matthew's, Luke. Matter of fact, we've seen three: Matthew's, Mark, Luke. Matthew's, Mark, and Luke, which are the synaptic Gospels. Gospels. They call them the synaptic gospel because they all are alike. And John, he, he didn't write like they did, so he's not part of the synoptic gospels. But he does give the gospel, but in a different version. 
Okay, now here in John 3.16, it says, For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if he was the son of Joseph, why didn't he say, For uh, Elohim so loved the world that he gave, that James gave a son to the world, and that Elohim endorsed James' son as his son? No, I'm saying anything about James' son, okay? And it goes on further to say, in John 3.16, it says, uh, uh, he says, and if we believe in him, we should not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say, for Elohim sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So even in, in, in this text, in verse 17, it talks about he sent his son not to judge the world, but that he may give salvation to the world. And then he goes on further to say in, in verse 18, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of Elohim. He didn't, he didn't say the son of, uh, of Joseph. He's still saying the son of Elohim. That Joseph is nowhere in the picture. Okay, in the same third chapter of, of uh, John, let us go to verse 35. And verse 35 and 36 says, The father loveth the, loveth the son and has given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the son shall not see life but the wrath of Elohim abideth on him. So again, he's substantiating and validating that Yeshua was his son. The father is saying that he was the son. Okay. All right, let us, let us uh, go to, um, let me see. <clears throat> We're going to stay in the book of John. We're going to look at a few more examples. Um, let me see. Uh, let me see here in John chapter yeah, one, let's see chapter one and we want to look at verse let me see maybe a few verses okay okay let us look at uh, John chapter one and verse 29 John 129 okay oh now John 129 it says, the next day John seeth Yeshua coming unto him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of, Elo of Elohim, which taketh away the sins of the world. Now notice he said the Lamb of Elohim. You know, and we know the Lamb that he's talking about is Yeshua. And he says, He's of Elohim. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And you remember when we talked about before the creation, he existed with the Father. So John is taking us back that this person that, that is coming to me to be baptized, he was actually before me because he is the son of Elohim, which existed with his father before this world came into existence. So he's saying the one that's coming to me is actually before me. And verse 31 says, and I knew him not, but he that should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water, 
Verse 32, and John bear record saying, I saw the spirit descending upon, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptized it with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the son of Elohim. He didn't say this is the son of Joseph. He said this is the son of Elohim. So Elohim gave him proof. And if we go back to Matthews and I think Luke, they said that when he was baptized, he heard a voice from seven. He had a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son. So why would Elohim in heaven say, this is my beloved son, and he knew that he had used the seed of Joseph? Could not he have said that Joseph's seed is my son? No. He said, this is my son. It ain't got nothing to do with Joseph. Joseph has nothing to do with this. Okay. Now, let us, let us go to, uh, let us go to uh, 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 another uh, facet of this. Let us go to uh, stay in the book of John. And this time, let us go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Okay, now here in, in John chapter 9, we want to look, look at a, a, a couple of verses in John 9. John 9, in the first uh, text that we want to look at, well, just one text. We want to look at one text. John 9, 35. In John 9, 35, the Bible says, Yeshua heard that they had cast him out. In other words, a man they had put out of the synagogue. Okay? And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the son of Elohim? Now, this is Yeshua himself talking. He's saying to the blind man that he had healed, because the blind man was looking for him, because uh, some of the... Uh, some of the church leaders was questioning the blind man as to how he got healed. And what their concern was, he was healed on the Sabbath day. And they said, man, whoever healed you on the Sabbath was breaking the Sabbath. They did not, they didn't understand that it was good to do good on the Sabbath by healing. And so he, he didn't know who it was. So he eventually found Yeshua. And when he found him, Yeshua, the Bible says, uh, Yeshua heard that this man who had claimed that he was healed by Yeshua, they were so mad at what Yeshua did, they put him out of the synagogue. They put him out of the church. And so Yeshua heard they had cast him out. And when they had found, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Does thou believe on the son of Elohim? You know, and the man went on to confess that he did. He said, Who is he? He said, I that speak unto you, I am he. Okay. And so he believed on the son of Elohim, not on the son of Joseph. Okay, let us say, uh, let us go into um, John chapter 10. And we'll look, look at verse 36, John 10, 36. Now notice what it says. It says, say ye of him whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemes, because I said, I am the son of Elohim. So when he said he was the son of Elohim, they said he was that was blaspheme because blaspheme was to profane the name of Elohim, and they felt that if any human individual 
said that he was the son of Elohim, that that was blaspheme. Now, if he had said he was the son of Joseph, they, they wouldn't have had any problem with that. They were saying, you, you know, flesh that just like we are. But what caused the disturbance among the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that he is literally saying, I am the son of Elohim, not the son of Joseph. And that's what made the situation so cantankerous and difficult because they are saying this man is not saying he's from flesh. He's literally saying that he's the son of Elohim. And, and that was one of the problems. Okay. Now let us turn to the 11th chapter of the book of John. And we're looking at verse 4. And the Bible says, and when Yeshua heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Talking about Lazarus, which was his best friend. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And so Yeshua went to raise him from the dead. And so in verse 4, it's saying, and when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death for the glory of, but it's for the glory of Elohim that the son of Elohim might be glorified thereby, you see. In other words, Lazarus had got sick, and they wanted him to come and heal him, and he died, and they put him in the grave, but he was saying that this sickness was not unto death. Why? Because he's going to come and raise him to give glory to his father. And the Bible says here, but for the glory of this death was for the glory of Elohim, that the son of Elohim might glorify, be glorified thereby. So by raising him up from the dead, he was to glorify uh, himself through the father. So again, no mention of Joseph. So I would think that if he was the son of Joseph, they would be mentioning. The Bible writers had a problem even, even, even saying that he was the, Joseph, and they never even said it. They never even said it. They just said he was the husband of Mary, and one said that suppose they said supposed to be the son of Joseph they never said he was and then after uh, you look at all of the ones that said he begat he begat and when it came to Yeshua when it came to Joseph it never said he begat Yeshua it never plainly said that okay now uh, let's look at two a uh, couple of more texts in the book of John let us look at the 14th chapter of John John 14, and we want to look at verse uh, number, verse 13, John, in the Gospel of John, to be Sorah of John chapter 14. And notice what verse 13 says. It said, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay. So he said, whatever you ask in my name, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relay that to the Father, okay? Because that was his Father, okay? So all through this, we are finding a plethora of scriptures that is pointing out that he was the son of Elohim. Okay, let's look at uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and we want to look at verse 31. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 31. The Bible says this, but these are written, okay, that was a lot that was written about Yeshua, and John is saying, but these are written that ye may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the son of Elohim. Now, I don't think it takes much understanding to see that all of this was written 
to show that Yeshua was the son of Elohim. Now, how could you come out and say he was the son of Joseph? That could that couldn't have been it. That couldn't have been in the narrative. That couldn't have been. Okay. That just couldn't have been in the narrative. Okay. He says that you may believe that he was the son of Elohim. Okay. Now, let us go to a, a, another part. See, when John was dealing with Yeshua, he was dealing with him from the time that he was the son before the creation. So he's he's taking it all the way back. That's like they say, in order to establish the lineage of somebody, you have to side with the father. And so they side with Abraham and they side with Adam. But the greatest father of the universe is who? Is Elohim. He's he's a father. So why are they overlooking the heavenly father for the earthly father? And so this is what John is trying to establish. That was no earthly father. That was his heavenly father. Okay, now, when we look at 1 John chapter 2, notice what it says. 1 John chapter 2, and also verse 22. Okay, 2 John, I mean 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. It says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Yeshua is the Messiah? He is an anti Messiah that denies the Father and the Son. Okay. So if you deny the Father and the Son, then you are anti Messiah or Antichrist. Okay. That's what an Antichrist is. Okay. All right. Let us read on further. Verse 23 of the same chapters, chapter 2 in 1 John and verse 22 says, uh, let me see. Let me see. First one we read was 22. Let's read 20, 23 now. He said, Whoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Verse 24 says, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So when we got the Father, we got the Son, we got the Son, we got the Father. They come together. They come together, okay? All right. Uh, let me just use, let me see. Let's use one more text in in, in 1 John. 1 John chapter, chapter, well, we can go to chapter 3. And we use a couple of texts in chapter 3. 1 John 3 and verses 8 and 23. Okay, now 8 says this. Okay, let me see. This is in 1 John, okay. 1 John 3, 8 says, He that, commit, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of Elohim was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. So now, when we look at all human birth, they are really being cursed by the devil from Eden. Every seed that came from Adam is a cursed seed. And But he was saying that Elohim is coming to destroy the works of the devil. And in the same chapter, verse 23, notice what it says. Verse 23 says, and this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Yeshua, 
the Messiah and love one another as he also has given us commandment. Okay. He says, we should believe on the name of his son. Now, who is it? His? He's talking about Elohim. He says, we should believe on his son, believe on his name, because he is the one that is the son of Elohim. He is the Messiah, and that we should love one another as he has given commandment. So again, it's pointing out his son. Okay. Now let us go to Second John, and we have a couple of verses in Second John. So in Second John, he yeah. Well, it doesn't have but one one chapter, but we want to look at verse three. It said, "Grace be with you, mercy and peace from Elohim the Father, and from Yahuwah, Yeshua, the Messiah, the Son of the Father, in truth and love." Okay, so it's validating again that He's the Son of the Father. Okay, all right. Now let us use in that same. Uh, verse 9, it said, whoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of the Messiah hath not Elohim. He that abideth in the doctrine of the Messiah, he hath both the Father and the Son. Okay. Now, we turn to another text found in Revelation, because John wrote Revelation too. So all of, all, all of what John is saying uh, is given a the Heavenly Father connection, he says nothing about James, okay, or Jacob or Eli. Now, when we look at Revelations 2.18, notice what it says. It said, unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, these things says the son of Elohim, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet like as fine brass. Now, notice here. He said, the son of Elohim. So we have the son of Elohim again. All right. All right. Now, let us deal with the last part of our discourse now. And that's going to take us on back to the Old Testament. So we asked the question, why is it that the father could not use the seed of Joseph to be the seed of his son? Okay. Now, why, why couldn't he do that? Okay, now it's going to raise a lot of questions and eyebrows to why he couldn't use the son of Yosef. Now, one of the first things that we are confronted with is why he couldn't use the son of Joseph, I mean the seed of Joseph, is because if he could use the seed of Joseph, then what need Yeshua to come and die for us? He could have just used the seed of Joseph to come and die for us. Why would he have to come? He could have stayed in heaven. He, didn't, he wouldn't have to come down. All he had to do is put the Holy Ghost on the seed of Joseph. But why couldn't he do that? Because he couldn't put his anything holy on anything unholy. Okay, but we want to uh, trace this down. Let's turn to Leviticus. And in Leviticus, we're going to look at uh, chapter 15. Okay, Leviticus chapter 15. Okay, now here in Leviticus chapter 15, we want to start with verse 16. Okay, we want to read down to, to 18. Leviticus chapter 15, verses 16 through 18. Here's what it says. It says, And if any man's seed of copulation 
go out from him, then he shall wash all his flesh with water and be unclean until the even. And every garment and every skin whereon is the seed of copulation shall be washed with water and be unclean until the even. The woman also which with whom man shall lie with seed of copulation, they shall both bathe themselves in water and be unclean until the even. So the Bible is saying that the seed of man is unclean. So why would he use the unclean seed of Joseph? And he said everything that it would touch. So if see, if Joseph's seed, which is unclean, touch Mary, she would be unclean. And do you think Messiah is coming through something that is not clean? No. He would not come through anything that is not clean. So it's saying even our seed is unclean. So if our seed is unclean, uh, Elohim said, I can't use it. Okay, now let us turn back to the um, Brit Kadeshah uh, of the New Testament, that is. Let us turn back to that in First Peter. Okay, First Peter, in chapter 1, we want to use verses 18 through 21. Okay, now here's what Peter says in First Peter, chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. Now here's what it says. It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold for your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of the Messiah as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in Elohim, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in Elohim. Now notice what it says here in verse 22. See, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure love fervently. And here it is. Uh, verse 23, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of Elohim, which liveth and abideth forever. So he's saying that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, but incorruptible. And we know that the seed of man is unclean, is, corru is, 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 is corruptible. But we were redeemed with incorruptible, which was the word of Elohim. So he could not use a corruptible seed in order to bring about an incorruptible seed. He had to use an incorruptible seed that had never been contaminated with sin to be, be the word. And the word, according to John, was made flesh and it dwelled among us. So here's the word here, which was the incorruptible word. Okay, now let us turn to the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, we want to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 7. So here in Isaiah chapter 7, we want to look at verse 14, the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore, um, 
Adonai himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, okay? So in that part of the prophecy, is prophesizing that a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, okay? So let us see how that part of that prophecy was being fulfilled. And we go to Matthew, okay? We go to Matthew chapter 1, and we start with verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Here's what it says. It says, Now the birth of Yeshua, the Messiah, was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused, in other words, uh, when she was espoused uh, to Joseph, in other words, before the marriage contract, he was, he was proposing, to espouse means he was proposing to her. He says, when the mother of Mary was espoused to Joseph, it says, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of Yehoah appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not to take unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to further say in verse number 23, the fulfillment of the prophecy, it said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. Okay? And so what we are seeing here is that she was a virgin, Okay, he said uh, he would be he would save his people from the sin. Now he couldn't have a sinful seed, and then when a sinful seed turn around and save us, see Joseph himself needed to be saved. And how could he give a seed that could save us? He had to be saved himself. So he could not use a sinful seed to save us. He had to have an incorruptible seed. Now let's continue to read. In Matthew chapter 1, and this time we're going to look at verse 22, it says, it said, and now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of Yahuwah by the prophet saying, Hold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is Elohim with us. Okay, so that was the fulfillment of of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, He shall be called Emmanuel, which means Elohim with us. She will bring forth the son. And, and it says, And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of Yehoah had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Now remember that he was in his dream, and the, and the angel was explaining to, to him that, you know, you're not going to touch her, Joseph. The, the thing that's going to be born in her is of the Holy Spirit. You have nothing to do with this, Joseph. Only thing you're going to do is be the husband, and when people see that she's pregnant with the Holy Ghost, then she will be respected because she has a husband. But you just, the husband, you're not the, you're not the father. And the Bible says in verse uh, 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 24, And Joseph, being raised out of sleep, 
did as the angel of Jehovah had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn. He said he didn't even touch her. So how, even if you say he was the son of Joseph, he didn't even touch her. He said he brought forth after the firstborn, and he called his name Yeshua. Okay. All right. Now, let's go to John. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Okay. Gospel of John, chapter 1. So we see it had nothing to do with Joseph. I mean, Joseph had nothing to do with being him being his son. Now, in, in the Gospel of, uh, of uh, John, we're going to read verse 1. Here's what verse 1 says. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. Okay? All right, now, let's read verse 14 of the same first chapter of John. Now, it's telling us where the Word was. It was, he said, in the beginning was the Word, okay? And the Word was with uh, Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. So it's saying his father was the Word, and he was also the Word, and the Word was Elohim, and the Word was with Elohim. So if you got something that is with you at least have two two things. You have the Father, which is the Word, and then from the Word uh, comes Elohim, and it says the Word was with Elohim. So if something is with, that's another entity. So it means that uh, Father, who was the Word, had his Son, who was with him, which was the Word, and it says, and the Word was Elohim. And then in verse 14 of John 1, it says, and the Word was made flesh. Now the part that was with him, with Elohim, which was also Elohim, when it was with him, this part that was with him also was a part that was made flesh to come through the womb of Mary, which would be the son of Elohim, not the son of Joseph. He used a womb, but he put the pure word of Elohim in the womb. But before he put the word in Elohim, in her, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved upon her womb. Why was it that the Holy Spirit was needed to move upon her womb even before she had the son? was because even in creation, before Elohim did anything, what did he do? He moved upon the face of the waters to sanctify the waters. And once the waters were sanctified, he could now create it. In other words, anything that Elohim used, he must first sanctify it through the power of his Holy Spirit. He sanctified a womb, and once he sanctified it, then he put the seed in it. But if you look at John the Baptist, it never said that the Holy Spirit moved upon Elizabeth's womb, in which John was born. Only thing the Bible says that she was having a, having a son, which is John the Baptist. But the Scriptures goes on to say that when Mary came to see Elizabeth, the Holy Ghost then came upon the womb of Elizabeth, and the babe flipped in a, a womb when she heard the words of Mary. But Mary was different. She had the Holy Ghost from the beginning. But Elizabeth got it once she was pregnant. But Mary got it before she was pregnant. And the Bible said that the Word was made flesh. Now, let us, let us see what the Word is. Let's see what the Word is. Let us turn to the book of Luke. Let us turn to Luke chapter 8. Find out what the Word, what, what the word is. Okay, now hear what Luke says in Luke chapter 8, and we verse, look at verse 11. Luke 8, 11 says this. He said, now the parable is this. 
see the word of Elohim. So here, Luke is saying that that when he wrote his genealogy in the beginning, he had doubts whether he was son of Joseph, so he didn't even state it. But here he is saying that the seed is the word. In other words, if Yeshua was the word, then the word is Yeshua, and that, that was the pure word, and as a result of being the pure word, it was put in Mary, and it brought forth Yeshua. Now let's turn to Revelation, Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And in Revelation 19, we, we want to uh, read in verse, in verse number uh, 13. Revelation 19, 13 says this. The Bible says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of Elohim. Eternal Father, as we can see from the scriptures that Yeshua was your son. And this was one of the whole issues when he was here on earth, whose son he was. Was he son of man or was he the son of Elohim? So help us to make the distinction. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. So you were saying that the reason why he couldn't use man's seed was because man's seed is unclean. Yeah, right. The Bible plainly says that. When Adam sinned, every seed that came from man was to be sinful. He couldn't he could not use a sinful seed. So he can use a sinful seed. Mm-hmm. So is not a woman is a woman's womb also sinful, or was it some way he was able to purify Mary? Yeah, he purified Mary through the power of the our womb through the power of the Holy Spirit, just like he did when he started the creation. He didn't even touch the creation until his spirit moved upon the creation, uh-huh. and when it moved upon the face of the waters, the sanctifying influence of the Holy Spirit sanctified the waters and the earth, and once it was sanctified he could now uh, begin to work on earth because it had to have the sanctification. And even in the time of Noah, uh, when Noah had to flood, Mm -hmm. Elohim again couldn't touch the earth until it was purified. And one of the ways that he showed it was purified is that he sent a wind, and the same wind, uh, the word Ruach, in Noah is the same word for the spirit of Elohim in the creation, the Ruach. He said the Ruach moved upon the face of the waters. And then when he sent a dove that represents the Holy Spirit over the waters of the, uh, of the earth, when Noah was on the earth, then it was saying he had now purified the, wor- the, the world of sin. And as a result, it was fit now to be able to bring forth and to reproduce. So when he had the Holy Spirit to move upon uh, the womb of Mary, then what happened was the fact that it was purified, and he was able to go into her womb and put his seed, but it had to be sanctified first. And then another thing that you would notice is that the the womb that we discussed in some of the lessons is like the like the tomb. Uh-huh. In other words, the womb is where uh, the uh, 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 is where a person develops and grows, and then they are delivered. But when you see the womb, the tomb that is, when, when Yeshua was buried, 
Uh What was he buried? Uh The Bible says that just like the womb was sanctified with Mary, that when Yeshua got ready to die and and, and, and they put him to death, they had to find a tomb to put him in. And the Bible says they put him in Joseph's brand new tomb. Okay, just okay. like he was to come out of the tomb, out, the, out of the womb, he was to come out of the tomb. So he used the brand new tomb of Joseph, and when they put him in there, he only used it for a few hours, and then he was resurrected. And when he was resurrected, he could give that uh, tomb back to Joseph of Arimathea, not not Joseph, uh, his father, his his earthly father, but he gave it back to Joseph of Arimathea. So both in the womb and the tomb, it was something new that the body of Yeshua had to go in. Okay. Um, and can you uh, just uh, explain the meaning again between uh, when it says, as was supposed? You, you say you want an explanation of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just okay. to clear that up. All right. Now, what it, what it, well, the, uh, let me see. That was in. I think that was uh, in uh, Luke, right? I believe so. I think he's. Yeah, I think that was Luke, the third 20. chapter. Okay, let's go back to that. Okay. All right. Let me see. Yeah, Luke three twenty three. Okay. All right. Here, here's what it says. It says, most manuscripts read. Uh, and Yeshua himself began to be about 30 years of age, okay? He's 30 at this time. The other ones was dealing with it when he was at a baby. Uh-huh. And he was, and being as supposed. Now, what we have here is some uh, parenthesis. Uh-huh. And usually parenthesis is to add uh, a, a clearer meaning of, of what is going on. Now, why would he need parenthesis? Why would he need that? Well, if you read through the entire line of the rest of the individuals here uh, from Joseph, what does it say? It says, which was the son of Matti. And if you read all the way down, it said, which was the son of this, which was the son of him. And when you get all the way down to verse 38, it says the son of Adam. The reason why the parenthesis is here is because Luke is saying plainly that out of all the people who were sons of somebody else, it never actually really pinpoints that Yeshua was the son of Joseph. It never says that. Uh It says suppose. Why would you suppose? If you knew it for a fact, you wouldn't have to say suppose. So that's why he put it in parenthesis and use a parenthesis is the clarified statement that has been made. Okay. All right. With that, I think we will transition to our next segment. Up next is let's talk about that. If you know our whole goal and reason why we here is and the reason why we, uh, live and study the scriptures is we seek to make it into the eternal kingdom. And so my question is today, and let's talk about it is what is it going to take for us to get into the eternal kingdom? 
So if you have your Bible, if you turn with me to the book of Matthew, which we was in there just not too long ago, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Because, you know, as we've been studying the seed from the Father, we everything comes from the Father, and we look to be reunited one day. And so as it reads in Matthew 7 verse 21, not everyone that says unto me, Adonai, Adonai, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And so, Pastor, when it speaks on uh, he that does the will of his Father, which is in heaven, is that a key to getting into the kingdom? And what is the will of the Father? Okay, we can look at that from a number of ways. Uh, first of all, the, he says, in order to enter into the kingdom, uh, to do the will of the Father. Okay, now, what was the will of the Father? Well, uh, it was not only living out the Torah and living the commandments and, and the life of Yeshua, but one of the basic things that we have to start with, the basic thing is, uh, how do we get into the kingdom, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the basic thing. Okay, let us turn to the book of John. And in John uh, chapter 3, and we want to look at uh, uh, chap chapter, I, I mean, chapter 3 and also verse 3. Okay, this is basic and foremost of getting into his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Okay, the first thing to get in the kingdom, we don't get in the kingdom by keeping his commandments and all of the other stuff. Because mm -hmm. remember, we were born in sin and shape and iniquity. We already sinful. Okay. Uh, whether you keep the commandments or try to keep them or not, you we still sinful. So we need to look at the basis of getting to the kingdom. And, and Yeshua says himself in John 3, 3, Yeshua answered and said unto him, Verily, Verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. So he's saying, you won't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. Mm. And then at verse 5 of the same chapter of John, chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, And Yeshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Elohim. So in order to enter in the kingdom, you have to be born again. Now, how were you to be born again? Well, it says also in the same chapter uh, of how they are to be born again. Now, here he says uh, in, 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 in the Gospel of John, uh, and we look at uh, verse 14, same chapter. He said, as, and as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in should not perish, but have eternal life. For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is connected with the new kingdom, with his kingdom. And he is saying the first thing he had to do is accept his blood, that he was the Son of Elohim, and he died for you. And because he died for you, they give you a right to the kingdom. And if you're coming into my kingdom, then you're not keeping the Torah to be saved. You're keeping the, the, the Torah because you are saved. You were sinful, and now that you're sinful and you accepted the blood of Yeshua, 
and then you went to baptism to wash away your sin, and then when your sins was washed away, the Holy Spirit is now leading you back to his word, and as you follow his words, and in his word is not only his command, the Ten Commandments, but also his laws and the statutes, and when you follow that, then you are living out the principles of the kingdom, because in order to have a kingdom, you have to have two things. You have to have a king, and he has to have a dominion. Mm. And the Bible told Adam and Eve, I want to make you the prince and princesses of the earth, and that you should have dominion over the earth. But when they sinned, they lost that dominion. So now we kind of go back to the kingdom that we lost, and we do that by being baptized. And when we are baptized, uh, we receive the washing away of our sins, and then the reason why we were baptized, because Yeshua died for us and we accepted his blood, which meant we accepted his pure life and he took our vile life and we washed that away in baptism. And then after baptism, we received the Holy Ghost to walk in Elohim's word. And when we do that, then it can make us part of his kingdom. So the key is through the water and being baptized and then receiving the Holy Ruach. Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost, yeah. The okay. Holy Spirit. Um, now, how, how does grace come into play into all of that? Well, see, grace is an unmerited for, uh, a favor. Uh, see, uh, grace is something uh, that we are not perfect, but Elohim saying, if you desire to walk in a way that I want you to walk, then I, 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 can, I can give you grace. Okay, now let us turn back to uh, Genesis. Now we want to look at Genesis chapter chapter six, G chapter six. Okay, and in Genesis chapter six, here we find, and we're gonna start with verse five. Verse five, what is grace? Okay, we're gonna establish what grace is. The Bible says here in Genesis six, and starting with verse five, it said, "And Yah saw the wickedness." of man was great in the earth and every imagination and thoughts of the heart was only evil continually and it repented Yah that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart and Yah said I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made uh, man, or I have made them. So he is saying all of the creation, everything is going to be destroyed, okay, because it was wicked. It was wicked. And so before he destroyed the earth, uh, he said uh, in, in chapter 7 of the book of Genesis, he says in verse 1, and Yah Elohim said unto Noah, Come thou in all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now, why was he seeing righteousness? Okay. He was sinful like everybody else. Okay. All right. But he said, I'm going to tell you to make an ark, and I want you to get on that ark. Okay. Now, what was the difference? Okay. Let us turn Let us turn back to the same text that we read in in, in, in uh in, in Genesis 6, and this time we want to read verse number 8. Now, here's what the verse 8 says. 
It said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of Yah. He found grace. So grace is something that a lot of people said that grace came in the New Testament. No, it was it was in the Old Testament too. Wow. It was grace there. Because okay. only reason why Noah was saved is because what? He followed what Elohim told him to do. Uh-huh. And he preached 120 years and telling the people what to do, and they still didn't want it. So if they say they didn't want to do what he said do, they're saying they don't even want his grace. Uh-huh. But at least Noah, even though he was sinful and he came from sinful seed, Noah said, I'm going to do what he says do. And so God says, now, Noah, since you're going to do what I said to do in a wicked world, you found grace with me. It's something that you don't deserve, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because you're willing to do what I asked you to do. The other people, they didn't. So they were drowned in the flood. So Noah and his sons, they repopulated the earth. And now we have to make the decision. Do we want his grace? Well, if we want his grace, his grace is not to continue to sin because if we continue to sin when he gives us his grace, that's not grace. That's disgrace. Grace is to say, hey, Lord, I sinned. I'm sorry for my sin. And Lord said, well, that's okay. My son has paid for it. I'm going to give you grace. You Mm -hmm. did sin. You deserve to die. But I'm not going to give you that because you're willing to walk in what I say. So now I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. I'm going to give it to you. Just like my sir, my son didn't sin. He didn't deserve to die. Mm-hmm. But he died for you. He didn't deserve it, but he died for you. And you don't deserve, you don't deserve life because you sin. You deserve death. That's what you deserve. But since my son has died for you, I'm not going to give you death. I'm going to give you something you don't deserve, and that's life, and that's grace. I think that's an excellent point. Hey, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to close out this episode of this podcast? I love and Father, again, we look to you recognizing that you are Elohim, and that as we walk by your grace, O Heavenly Father, it's only by your grace that we are saved. We're not saved by keeping the law or doing anything, or having the Father that the law said, but we are saved by Yeshua. And he gives us the grace to keep your law and to do the things that when we make a mistake, honestly, or what we do not know, that your grace will cover us. And we thank you for your loving grace. And your grace came through Yeshua, your son, not through the son of Joseph, but through your son. And we appreciate you sending your son here to give us the redemption that we need. I bless my host, so have the Father continue to do for him that which is needed. Be with his family. Be with all of those who listen and their families. Be with us and our family. And we look forward to being a part of your great family that will be saved in your eternal kingdom. So help us, so have the Father, that as we go from day to day, that we will live up to your expectations by walking in the Torah and doing the things that you have given in your word, that when Yeshua does come, that we can have the peace, and not only the peace, but the life that we're measured with the life of Elohim, world without end. And when you have done for us that which we ask, we can give your name the praise, the honor, and the glory, majesty, dominion, power, and all of the thanks for your wonderful blessings. So thank you for another wonderful Shabbat, and may it prepare us to go into another week if you see fit to give us life. In Yeshua's name we do ask it, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Uh, We just want to reiterate uh, the celebration of the Feast of Trumpets. We'll be celebrating on that on Wednesday, September the 28th. So please mark your calendars. Mm -hmm.
That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Know therefore that Yahuwah Eloheka, he is Elohim, the faithful El, which guards his covenant and mercies with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations. Until next week, Shalom.